KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. It's Monday, it's a brand new week and as I said we've got a packed show lined up for you this morning. To get us underway our La Hearts ID Buzz is now worth €500 Euro. that is not to be sniffed at and because it's kind of tricky and we're feeling generous we're going to give you a little clue today and the clue is that it's household related so have a listen. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR with thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. There it is. If you think you might know what it is, you can text us in on 083 306 9696 to be in a cha- with a chance to win uh, that 500 euro. With thanks to our friends in the hearts who are highlighting their range of Volkswagen electric vehicles. But if you are completely stumped, we have a man on the line who might be able to help us to win a few quid in Galway this week. Good morning, John Shark how are we? We're well. We're not too bad, John. I've never met you, but it seems that nobody recognises the name John Hanlon. So if if I may, I might call you Shark. You are Galway-bound okay. this morning, I'm assuming. We're Galway-bound, and I had a, um, the rain that's after falling in Galway for the last 24 hours is unreal. So it's disappointing because um, a lot of our horses are good ground horses. But I'm after taking out two horses out today already. But I still have two left. I have a nice hard shotgun semi in the bumper. Um, in the last race, my own son rides him. Um, I like him a lot. I think he'll take a lot of beating. But um, like just down the road for the week coming, if this rain stays coming, I might even, I'd say God will find it hard to get through the card because um, they're giving the ground today heavy. So um, just some horses... We're in the middle of the summer and we don't have the heavy ground horses in, if you know what I mean. You okay. Know? Um, but listen, there's nothing can be done. We have to stay going. And um, we have two runners today. We have one in the bumper and one in the in the first. But the bumper is a nice horse and uh, wouldn't stop anyone having a few good on Okay, I suppose the big name for you this week, John, is John Shark. I'll just I'll use whatever comes to mind. Is yeah. Hewick? How will the soft ground potentially affect his chances no. on Wednesday? It will not be a bit helps me now because, like, he went to America last year and the ground was firm. He won on good ground in um, Bet Three Six Five. He won everywhere. That even this day last year, we were going with Hewick to the to the Galway Plate and um, the ground was good but listen we're going to have to give him his chance uh, but it's, it's it's a big disadvantage to me to tell you the truth OK OK so you're not hugely confident no, that he this, can pull off two in a row No this this time last year I went very confident and I'm just hoping that maybe it might dry up in the next couple of days the horse is in great form and Brian Hughes is coming over from England to ride him so um, I couldn't have the horse better Okay. But listen, the ground, we can't bat about the ground. Unfortunately, you can't. How did you get him into shape? Because I know he was carrying a little bit more weight, say, coming into to this meet. Was it a really busy couple of months trying to get him fit again for, for this race, for the big one? We're after, yeah, we're after being very, very busy with him. Uh, we've done a lot of work with him. And 
Um, we have him, we have him where we want him now. We had him down at the beach on Saturday morning there, and we're down and um, we, we had a great morning down there. I had 15 horses down there that are running in Galway uh, this week, and um, they they love it to go out to sea and come back and take a roll and everything. Um, uh, everything is up on my website there and I want to see John Hanlon racing or Shark Hanlon racing you'd see all the photos in York it's brilliant so it was. and the horse is in real real good form and he's fit he's well but um, just you'd be disappointed like we're planning the whole year since this time last year for another Galway plate and just for the ground to come but like there's nothing anyone can do about that no, there isn't, unfortunately. But as you say, hopefully it will dry up and give him a fair chance. And you mentioned your son yeah, is riding. That's, is that Paddy? Because I know he recently was Paddy, on with yeah. Sue and he, he has just recently been licensed. Is that right? That's he. And he has the license a month and he's got a winner and a second and a fourth. And it's a big thing for him today now to go to Galway with a horse with a bit of a chance. He's only 16. He's only barely turned 16. And um, it's, it's exciting for us all. I'm it's a big deal and I'm sure he's it's been to Galway many many times but this time it's it's got a very uh, different prospect for him doesn't it he he just said to me last night I said how are you feeling about tomorrow he said, I'm so excited and like that's the way it should be it's great for young lads it's a tough game but it's great for young lads and um, it's great for us as well my mother and father there I'm bringing them on today they're coming on in the car with me today down to see him riding he, we have two runners today and he rides bottom so um, but listen it's great for my mother and father my father is 86 years of age so he loves it oh, I'm sure it's a very proud day for you and for your parents to see Paddy out there for the first time in Galway there's something very special about the Galway races I always think any way you can put that into words for a shark listen Galway is a great meet and it's on for a week you meet so many people up there in that week we'd be up and down for the first two or three days and then uh, we stay kind of from Wednesday until Saturday, Wednesday night to Saturday and the atmosphere down there is something else like Galway is the Cheltenham of Ireland you know, that's that's the kind of a thing it is, you know, so um, it's, it's exciting and um, people take a week off holidays, go to, to Galway for their week's holidays you know so like um, I've been talking to many people in the last three weeks there and they're all looking forward to Galway everyone looking forward to Galway and hopefully it stays fine for the crowd if nothing else Okay I was there myself last year on the Wednesday I didn't have a tip for Hewick unfortunately I wish I had been speaking to you beforehand <laughs> um, to get those tips is there anything else outside of your own yard that you would advise listeners to keep an eye on or maybe put a few quid on um, at any on any of the days during the week with the way the ground has gone there now there's going to be very funny results because at this time of the year all the trainers have them in for summer ground horses, good ground horses and whoever will handle the soft ground will win now do you know what I mean? So it's hard to give advice, I know that Shotgun Gumsini runs today and he'll handle it and I run a filly tomorrow called Enfranchise and I think she's very good I'm hoping that she'll win twice during the week I'm hoping she'll win tomorrow and win again on Saturday so um, like they're they're the two horses that, that we fancy like I don't know from other people what will handle the ground OK give us those two names again John just in case anyone's scribbling them down uh, Enfranchise tomorrow and today Shotgun Semi in the last race 
Okay, so you think a few quid on them. Is it hard for you to relax, I suppose, with so much at stake, let's let's call it what it is. Is it hard for you to relax and enjoy the week yourself? It is hard because, like, we had... I had um, had horses to run there now on Wednesday and I was there this morning sitting at the table. What am I going to run? What am I not going to run? And by right, I should have maybe eight runners on, on Wednesday and I, I've only two because of the ground, the way it's gone. Like... Um, I usually have about 15 runners in Galway and you come home with two winners you'd be absolutely thrilled we always seem to be able to pull two out of the pot in Galway and it's a big thing to get two winners in Galway it's the same as having 10 winners in Clamel or in, in Kilbegan or anything like Galway is the place you want to have winners and because everyone sees it as on telly and for my business it's a big help so this. If you, it's amazing if you have a winner on a telly and you're going out tomorrow night in Kenny, you're going out tomorrow night in Nate, and so when you meet someone, they might just buy a horse with you because they, um, they're after seeing you having that winner. It's a big it's a big week for getting, you know, your own, as you say, your yard and, and the name out there. You know that decision that you have to make when you, for example, pull some of the horses for today? What? Yeah. Obviously, that's a tricky thing to do, but what's the driver for you? And is there any chance that we won't see Hewick run on Wednesday? Are the ground is heavy, if if the ground is soft at the moment, and if it stays soft above soft, you'd see him running. If the ground ended up heavy, I think to be wrong for the horse to run him on heavy ground, and I'm not going to do what's wrong for the horse. Okay, so that's how you make the call. Yeah, difficult that's though. When the morn. After all the work that's gone in and all the preparation, that has to be a tricky one as well. I know you I mentioned. Did, but we're out. We're heading to America with him again in a couple of months' time, so we have to think about that as well. Indeed. And will win or lose, will Hewitt be appearing in Lachlan Bridge in the pub this year? That's the question. Well, it's quite possible. <laughs> we'll, we'll go to America anyway, and when we come back to America, it's be wrong not to bring him for another drink. Another little drink. And um, well earned, I would say, at that stage. After He's had an incredibly busy year, as have you. And you have a very busy week ahead of you, so we won't take up any more of your time. For someone, just very briefly, that has never had a flutter on a horse, um, is there any any little tip that you would give in terms of, of the betting for someone that, that hasn't done it before? What would you recommend, just to ease yourself into maybe um, the prospect of a win? If you're going to have a little fiver each way on something tomorrow, back and franchise. Okay, so five reach right. way, and what time is that tomorrow? Oh, I think it's the first race. I think it's the first race. Okay. And franchise, you'll see it. Um, it's uh, um, Brian Hayes rides it for me. Okay. Well, listen. The very best to look to you, Shark, and to Paddy. I hope you and the, and your parents and everyone that's with you has a fantastic week. And if any of those names that you gave us come good, we'll be we'll be very grateful. Thank you very much. And Thank listen, you. we'll see you on your way with this one.
CCL or live. With thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Welcome back. Now, difficulty finding rental accommodation has been very well documented all over the media nationwide and indeed in Kilkenny. And I'm delighted to be joined. Well, I say delighted, but Amy, the reason you're here is not uh, for delightful reasons because you've had a difficult time finding rental accommodation. Amy Dowling, tell us about your journey, if if you will, toward finding you're now living. OK, well, my journey started quite a few years ago. Um I four years ago I separated from my husband and I was renting paying quite a lot of rent and um, my landlord then decided he was going to sell the house so I was given three months notice which would have brought us up to Christmas at that point um, to find new accommodation there was no accommodation to be found and there was nowhere to rent I had eventually started looking outside of the county which would have been a nightmare with kids in school and so on but um, Noel Sherry at the Kilkenny Voluntary Housing Association um, was introduced to me and Noel and Kira Quinn down there took me on gave me great advice looked after me helped me do all the paperwork and found me a home so in the December of 19 2019 I got the keys to my home that my kids call their forever home back into the um in 2019 but I understand that you had moved several times before that is that correct absolutely yeah from um over a period of eight to nine years I had moved seven times which was phenomenal and you mentioned your children there how old were your children at the time and how old are they now they're now 10 and 13 so they would have been very young so they were quite young and um, my son used to panic um, when we'd pull out a box if something arrived for delivery and came in a box and you opened it the box would have to be crushed immediately because otherwise he'd panic that you were going to pack it again and that every time you'd move again um, so it's traumatic on him moving he does have autism um, so he couldn't understand he's non-verbal why we keep moving and moving and moving and he gets used to get very very upset so now he's at a happy place with boxes that they can be opened in the house and without triggering that fear triggering. and how long were you in each of the properties and what were the reasons why you had to leave those Amy if I may ask you that those different reasons uh, depend on there was some, one or two short term rentals that we knew would be short term but at the time you were trying to find somewhere to rent um, back I suppose when we had the kids first was when um, when we had um, our daughter was when the market crashed and my partner, my husband then had lost his job, so he couldn't get a mortgage, so he ended up stuck in the rental trap. And from there on, um, then we had landlords who wanted family to move back into the home, landlords who were, um, I had one very rude landlord who didn't respect the fact that you were paying for a home and that he didn't have the right to just walk in. Um, he used to just appear unannounced and use his own key. and Which is, is illegal. Illegal, but he got away with it. So okay. that one was very uncomfortable, that one. I, we chose to leave that one. But okay. the rest were mostly either short term or landlords selling up. Selling up, which is just awful news. Yeah. Did you feel that was, I suppose, a get out clause for landlords that maybe just wanted rid of that tenant for one reason or another? Yeah. And then you had the ones who wanted to suddenly up your rent by 300 a month. And you're going, well, I don't have that. I can't do that. It's not possible. So and back then they didn't care. There was no rent control. 
So that was it. It was either pay or move. The stress must have been absolutely enormous. Huge, yes. It's 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 heartbreaking to, to feel you can't give your kids a family home. Do you know, when we grew up, when we were kids, we had our family home and that was there and that was our base always. But I didn't have that for my children. But now I feel I do, thanks to Tarish Jock and Noel Cherry. And, and the difference... I'm sure is immense but I know there was an article in the Indo last week and in it you said Amy that you felt like you'd let your kids down you felt like a failure as a mother it's very hard to hear somebody say that when circumstances senses outside of their control make it so difficult to find the stability that you crave so much Absolutely but it's the, it's the truth and there's a lot of families out there feeling it at the moment and feeling that same way but there is hope and there is help. So it's just a matter of going to these places and knowing about them. I knew anything about the Kilkenny Voluntary Housing Association, Tarish Jock, Good Shepherd, any of those. As far as I knew, it was the Kilkenny County Council or nothing. And their only option for me at that point was to put me into a hotel. And that isn't something I could do with my son. It would have been very difficult. So once you, I suppose, knew what was out there, the road got a little bit easier for you. So your advice to anybody is to find out what's available. Do you have to be very dogged in your pursuit of something? Or did did you find the Taurus Jock, as it's now become, sort of took over once you went to them? Yes, they did. They absolutely, they gave me massive guidance. They were so, so helpful. Um, really, really helped me in every which way of what to do, what forms to fill out, what help to ask for. So, no, I was blessed when I was put in touch with them. They absolutely were lifesavers. It's amazing. And I suppose you, you, you can appreciate very much where you are now because of, not that you would choose to go through it or anybody would, but I'm sure you appreciate very much the stability that you have for you and your two children. Oh, absolutely. I mean, forever grateful to them for what they've done for me because that stability is is huge for, for my family. And you fought hard to have it. Absolutely. Well, Amy, we really appreciate you coming in today to tell us about that. It's not easy, I'm sure, sharing your story and reliving what was obviously a very, very difficult time. But thank you so much. We're going to take a little piece of music. World Cup updates on KCLR with thanks to Frank Grinsel Properties, supporting your community through sports. Robbie, how are you doing? Big day today, sports-wise? Yes, very big day. First up, the Republic of Ireland are facing Nigeria at 11am in their final Women's World Cup game. Vera Pau's side are already eliminated following a 1-0 defeat to Australia in their opener and a 2-1 loss to Canada last time. History was made in Perth against the Canadians when Katie McKay became the first female player to score at a World Cup for Ireland. And more history can be made today when they go in search of their first ever victory. The team is as follows. Courtney Brosnan is in goal. Nifahi, Louise Quinn and Megan Conley are the back three. Heather Payne and Katie McCabe are the wing-backs with a midfield two of Lily Ag and Rusa Littlejohn. The front three is Denise O'Sullivan and Sinead Louise Farley. They're either side of centre-forward Kira taylor Carusa. The game is in Brisbane and I'll be back before the end of the show for a half-time report and come full-time I'll be giving you an update on the final result on the John Keane show just before the news at one o'clock. World Cup updates on KCLR with thanks to Frank Grinsel Properties supporting your community through sports. So Robbie, what do you reckon? It's a, it's, it's a big ask today. Can they do it? I think they can, Una. You'd like to think 
that they will because I think it would be very disappointing if they were to go to the World Cup their first ever World Cup and lose all three games um, it's obviously I, I mentioned the word history there quite some, on quite a few occasions history will be made irrespective of what happens at the World Cup but you would love to think that they can kind of soften the blow of being eliminated after the first two games with a victory and in doing that I think they'd actually well more than likely knock Nigeria out of the competition that's if Australia go on and defeat Canada so it'll be an interesting game unfortunately I said this to John Walsh on the breakfast show this morning it is a bit of a dampener when there's nothing really at stake for Ireland but I suppose they can cushion the blow as I say with the fact that you know they can get their first win they can get their first points on the board and while I do think some of the performances have left a little bit to be desired they've done themselves incredibly proud they've set up as best as they saw fit and irrespective of the result today to make a World Cup what they have done for women's sport in this country it's intangible. And we have to remember that as well because it is a historic moment it's an amazing achievement yes a first World Cup win would be phenomenal but even getting there as you say was really great there does I suppose the fact that for Nigeria there's more at stake it would probably give them a little bit more hunger than than possibly the girls have but there does seem to be a little bit of how would I, what would I call it not negativity but the camp doesn't seem to be a happy one yeah what I would say is on that Una, there are allegations, and I stress the word allegations, against Vera Powell about her dealings um, when she was a coach in America in terms of um, body shaming some of her players. Whether that was the case or not, we obviously don't know. She vehemently denies it. Uh, the players suggest that it did happen. So that brought a cloud over the World Cup, to be honest with you, before any, a ball was even kicked, and a lot of the questions were around that. You couple that with some reports that three or four of the senior players aren't best pleased mm. with the manager and she actually doesn't have a contract to lead us into the next European qualification campaign. It It's a far cry from what you would think it would be ahead of a World Cup because, it, as you say, it's so unique for the Irish women's team to be at a major competition, let alone the biggest one. And for all of this stuff to be on the side of it it was very strange and peculiar and it probably has taken a bit of gloss off it unfortunately it'll always be there for the rest of time to come they'll always be the first team to ever make a World Cup but in the moment it does feel a bit I wouldn't say sour that's too strong but certainly a bit off-putting compared to what you would have thought it would have been Yeah I would agree with that and, and those players not publicly backing her has got a lot of, of coverage yeah. this weekend again that's the type of thing that's making the headlines which is such a pity for the women that have worked so hard to get us there and to, to put our names on the map well I think it's it's such a it's a heavy topic of conversation but it's a topic of a conversation that a lot of people and a lot of Irish fans are interested in because on one hand you can't say that this is huge for women's sport and there's such a spotlight on it and then ignore the other stuff that comes with it. If the spotlight is going to be on it, you have to look at the good and the bad. The good is obviously they made the World Cup. They've done something incredible, something that their peers of yesteryear have never done. The bad is all of the stuff that we spoke about, and it would be wrong of everybody to ignore that. So I think we do have to engage in that conversation. It's not a nice conversation. It'll be interesting if it will affect the team going forward. I'm not sure if it will. I hope this is the start of it some of the players are maybe approaching the latter stages of their career but you would like to think that this team can build and not just qualify for the next European Championships but actually kick on and be really good if they do make that major tournament but unfortunately for the moment as I said it's just you know the sun should be splitting the stones a bit like the weather but there's a bit of a cloud over Mm -hmm. and that's an awful awful pity 
And do you reckon as they go ahead and they're, re- they're rebuilding after this uh, tournament, do you reckon they're doing so without Vera? It's a good question, Una. It's a, it's a question that a lot of people have posed. She doesn't have a contract, which is incredibly strange. Um, you know, she didn't think that no manager has ever done before. And I know I, I'm constantly saying that, but we really should repeat that because this is unique and nobody's ever matched this achievement but yet she doesn't have a contract. There has to be a reason for that. Maybe there's something going on in the background that we don't know. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think she'll be the manager because if she is, I just think it'll be a campaign too far for her. And it's just, it's not negativity, but it's just that little bit of discontent that can all of a sudden spiral out of control if you keep the person in charge for too long. It might be absolutely nothing to do with Vera Powell, but unfortunately, it's the line of thinking, it's the narrative in the public and it could cost her her job. And listen, she may not want it. That's another. She might not want it. Thing. She might not want the hassle that comes with it beyond this mm. world. What about yesterday? Just very quickly, what yeah. did you think of that game? Did it go as you expected? Yeah, I think I spoke again with John about it. I think uh, it didn't go as as I expected. I thought Kerry would actually come out on top by two points. The Dubs did in the end. Uh, football for me is it's a hard watch. It was okay yesterday. I thought it would be higher quality. It wasn't. Um, Dublin it's, it caps off a great team nine all-irons for Mick Fitzsimmons Stephen Cluxon and James McCarthy who captained the side yesterday it's, a, it's an, I think nine in the last 12 years since 2011 when they broke their 17 year gap they are an incredible outfit I think Kerry will come again but I don't think there's a dominant team in football right now like there was in the 2010s when the dubs were coming through and winning that six in a row so it, it didn't go exactly as I expected I, I did think it would be a tight game it was probably one of the best games of the championship, which would tell you a lot about how poor the championship was, unfortunately. Are we allowed to say that it doesn't compare to the, the foreign fever of, of a hurling match? Well, I think I would say that, and I think a lot of people listening in would say that, particularly in Kilkenny and in the south of Carlow, that are kind of interested in hurling because we, we love it and we're engrossing it so much. What I would say, and it was a discussion around hurling all year, we're in a bit of a bubble too. There's only eight or nine counties at the top table in hurling. There's only realistically six or seven that have any chance of competing to win the All-Ireland. You compare that with football and basically every county bar our own uh, here in Kilkenny play in the Sam Maguire. So that would tell you that while we all love hurling and we're engrossed in it, that's not shared around the country. So, mm. you know, while we might think hurling is better, the All-Ireland final viewership is always more for the football in comparison to the hurling. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we might think hurling's better, but a lot of the country would disagree would with disagree us. Would disagree with us. I suppose for the, for the boys, getting the band back together, that got some, again, maybe not negative, but people were definitely asking questions about that, bringing back on Tuxnico. They answered any questions very oh, decisively, didn't they? 100%. And I would have been somebody that looked at it and thought, they're a bit desperate here, they don't really have any kind of belief in their young players, but particularly Cluxon. I mean, he's one of the greatest players of all time in the history of football. And for to be a goalkeeper would tell you how good he really is. The likes of James McCarthy, Jack McCaffrey coming back in, his impact off the bench yesterday, Dean Rock kicking the free. Um, of course, Paul Mannion as well, who uh, stepped away for a couple of years and now he's back. They're Individually, they have really good players, but when they come together and they function like they did yesterday, they are one of the greatest football teams of all time. There's no question or debate around that. Well, I'm sure they're they're celebrating. Robbie, thank you so much for, for your review and for all that news. We look forward to chatting to you later on, maybe at halftime, to see how things are going for... Beer is women, and yes. we'll hope that things things are looking good. Um, one man who probably is not very happy this morning is Sean Hargon. Sean was in with us on Friday, greatly anticipating um, the Kingdom winning, which didn't happen. But Sean has asked me to mention the Nor Swim, which is happening on August the 12th at 11am. And you can register for that through Facebook. Um, 
Norswim. So you'll find it there. And if you're interested in that, you can um, sign up there. We had a few guesses in for a mystery sound. Now, let me see what we have. We have filling salt in a dishwasher, washing machine, a chip maker. That's an interesting one. Coffee machine, placing food into the oven and closing the door, pulling out and tearing off the tinfoil on a roll. Um, an ice maker, all great guesses, but incorrect, I'm afraid. Someone else is asking, is it pulling a hoover behind you? Hmm, it is not, but I will say we are warming up, if I can say that. Um, we're going to be talking, well, rather, Ethna is going to be talking after the break, all things budgeting and maybe saving you a few, few quid whilst the kids are off. But first, we'll take a quick break. Good morning, Kaz Mooney. We're joined by uh, Kaz. Kaz, you're the author of Budgeting Planner, helping us to take control of our money and achieve our financial goals. You're very welcome to Casey Law Live this morning, Kaz. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, uh, people can find you on Irish Budgeting on Instagram and I've been having a look and you're just jam-packed. But I'm going to start (laughs) with asking you a little bit about your no-spend year. Is that what kicked all of this off for you? Yeah, it it really was. Um, we had a bit of a shock to our finances. Um, we basically came back from a trip to America with quite a large credit card uh, bill. And um, we basically decided to embark on a low spend year so that for one year we would um, reduce our spending back to the bare bones and really start to take control of our money. Um, and it's really the lessons we learned that year um, is how um, I started to really take control and how our family started to make a big difference to our finances. And it's a lot of the tips and tricks I learned that year that is what I share online. OK, so go back to the, the very start of that then. Where did you start? What was the first thing that got cut with that? The idea of a no spend year. Um, is it really stripping it right the way back to bare essentials? Tell us. Yeah, it it really is. Um, it's not something I'd advise everybody do um, all the time. It was really we what we were trying to achieve that year was to get our deposit for our house. So we had a big ambitious uh, goal. So we had to do something radical to get there. Um, and we knew we were in a bit of a time crunch because the housing market was quite crazy at the time. It still is. And um, yeah, we really needed to take control that year. Um, so the first thing we did was to start reducing our spending naturally. So um, we started to reduce our food budget, um, reduced it too much to begin with and realized, you know, you needed to be realistic um, started to cut back any unnecessary spending. So um, I had um, a online shopping uh, love and I had to start reducing that as well. And, and it's just all the little things, to be honest. Um, coffee out when you possibly didn't need it. Um, it's, it's all about like preparing in advance and planning and then you start to really take control. Brilliant. So you managed to save an absolutely whopping €15,000. Yeah. And you bought your first home. We did, yeah. So um, the end of October that year, we had the keys for our first home in our hands um, and we moved in in November. So, yeah, within that year, we achieved our goal, which was absolutely amazing. Listen, you were just telling us you're a family of five and I'm trying to picture this. Uh, I'm a family of four. Um, How did your children get or how did you get them on board? 
Yeah, so um, I suppose it's all about how you frame it. Um, so we try to really uh, sit them down and explain like it in a really positive light. So um, we said to them, look, we're going to embark on this slow spend year for one year. So no matter whether we achieve this goal or not, it's going to be for one year only. And instead of it being a really tough year, we're going to try and do the most this year that we can. So we're going to make it a big, fun year. Um, we knew we were going to be hopefully buying a house, so we knew we were going to be a bit busy once we, we achieved that goal. Um, and also, we just really wanted to make it a year of memories for them. So that's how we kind of framed it, and they were all on board then. I love it. And really then for them to see that the hard work and the effort that you put into that no-spend year resulted in having a beautiful family home. It's a very important life lesson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just it just so happens it's, it was really an informative part of their lives as well. And I feel like something like they still always to this day will talk about it and all the things we did that year. Laying down really strong foundations for them, I imagine, you know, realistic goals, looking yeah. at budgeting, very important stuff to, to carry with you throughout life and something a lot of us struggle with, especially the online shopping and the picking up the odd coffee. And as you say, they add up massively, don't they? They do, yeah. And like, I'd never say to someone to cut them out completely, but it's really just being a bit more aware of where your money's going um, and being a bit more conscious. So um, then when you do go for one, you're really enjoying it and, um, you know, it's a treat. So one of the things that I love seeing on your feed is your meals for five euro. So your meals for five for five euro. So feeding your entire family for for a fiver, that's no mean feat. No, and uh, would you believe I've been doing them for over a year now, which is uh, madness to me. I can't believe that, that time has flown by. Um, but yeah, that's uh, to me, it's one of um, an, an important piece of content that I put out um, because it comes from a place where we really struggled um, to feed our family. And um, so it's really important to me that I share that. And it's um, surprising how it has gone. Like it's uh, I have students reaching out. Um, I have people who just enjoy the inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing. Give me one of your favourites. Oh, oh, there's so many. Um, I think one of my favourites would probably be um, I have a fish pie. I must do that again. <laughs> um, I have a fish pie and that's definitely one of my favourites. Um I also have um, a pizza I made last summer. That was great fun um, because I got the kids involved with that as well. Um, they love getting their hands so in. Many. Yeah, yeah. Anything that really gets everyone involved is always great because, um, you know, they get to see where the dinners come from and they get to pick, like, um, how they want their pizza made and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy those kind of meals as well. Yeah, um, and I yeah, think I what... Sorry, what what that really shows is how achievable it is that like you really can we really can feed our families on a budget. Yeah, you definitely can, um, and like a lot of my day say meals are still the five year meals, but maybe you know I've altered them slightly to get in that budget. But yeah, like it's just normal meals. Um, I'm just showing um, just how I feed my family, even on a really tight budget. Um, and hopefully it helps some people if they are struggling that week to feed their families, there's a meal there that they can make. 
Great stuff. We have a quick ad break to take here, Kaz, but I'm just wondering, when you stay with us and when we come back, we'll um, maybe give some practical tips and tricks for people with back-to-school costs. Yeah. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Thanks for staying with us, Kaz. Um, welcome back. We're joined by Kaz Mooney, author of Budgeting Planner, and she has given us some tips and tricks on how to take control of our money and achieve our financial goals. Kaz, before we go to back-to-school costs, the weather has been pretty abysmal for July and <laughs> and having the kids off school I know normally during the summer we do lots of free days and trips to the park mm. and river and all of those things but because the weather is fairly poor we're having extra costs of cinema dates and you know indoor play spaces yeah. and things like that any tips there yeah so I like to during the summer um do a lot of um planning with my kids so um I like to save in advance so say for example we're going to go and like you said go to the cinema or something like that um I will budget for that so that's one of my tips for sure over the summer is if you can budget for it another thing I like to do is um give my kids pocket money so they earn pocket money and um for doing chores and things like that and a certain amount of that money I um like them to save so they learn um, how to save things they don't need to be very long term um, but then the rest of that money is there to spend. So they can, they, you're putting the control of that money in their hands. So, you know, when they're always asking for things in the shops, instead of you saying yes, no, you're saying, look, it's your money. You decide if you want vendor. it. Um, and then I like to do, of course, all the free days, um, museums, walks, um, picnics, all of that, which is quite difficult right now. Yeah. But also we like to do movie nights board games, come dine with me, um, all of that, karaoke, you know, anything that's um, fun and um, is a bit of an evening and it's it's great fun to do that. We might do a whole theme around something. So we might all dress up as like 60s or something. Oh, wow. Make it a bit fun. Yeah. So your, your house sounds like a great place to be. So getting creative with those um, ideas, isn't it? And getting the kids on board, uh, how would they like yeah. to spend their time and their money? Yeah, it, like you can make as big of a deal as you want out of anything. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's always important to make a lot of the time it's the build up and um, talking about it and planning it. So we might decide like we're going to do a movie night this Friday and today's Monday. So we're going to spend between Monday and Friday planning it. You can even have your kids making decorations and, you know, really like deciding a menu and everything towards that evening. And that will really like, make it a bit more fun and it's something they remember then yeah. and when they go back to school and you're back in the the routine it's something they can talk to their friends about you know you're making um a big deal out of something that doesn't necessarily cost a, a massive amount brilliant we're running out of time but i actually think we're going to invite you back to talk about back to school costs because <laughs> there was something that you touched on there um about giving control to the children and i know in my house the summer i'm absolutely tormented by is can i have this can i have that where's the food so your snack box idea will you just tell us about that before we let you go kaz and we'll definitely have yeah. you back on um in a couple of weeks to chat about back to school costs Absolutely. So I do these snack boxes. So I have three kids and each one has their own basket. And I have it labelled. I put um, 
a range of snacks in their snack basket. And basically, I just say to each child, that's your snacks for the day. If you eat them all in one go and they're gone by 10, that's it. That's grand. But you're not getting any more. And if you don't want to eat them all, that's fine too. Um, and I like to introduce fruits and vegetables and snacks in there. It's a great way of introducing them to anything that you're, you haven't introduced before. Um, I put a drink in there. And they just can pick away at it throughout the day. And it means that they're not asking for snacks all day long. Um, and it might take a day or two, but they really do enjoy it. Yeah, again, it's it's just another way of empowering them, isn't it, around the decision-making. So yeah. I want to come and live in your house. <laughs> Sounds like a great place to be. Kaz, if people are looking for um, tips and tricks, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on at Irish Budgeting across um, all forms. So Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Brilliant stuff. And listen, thank you so much for your time this morning. We'll give you a shout and we'll have you back on in a couple of weeks to chat back to school. <laughs> we, we might try and get uh, yeah last day of July. We'll wait until August to do back to school chat. Kaz, thank you so <laughs> much for your time this morning. Chat to you again. It's a dog's life with Samantha Rawson. Good morning, Samantha Ross, and welcome to the KCLR Live studio this morning. <laughs> Another busy studio. Yeah, it's, yeah, you've got the girl squad this morning. We're oh, all good. in. Good. <laughs> um, tell us, you were, we were chatting last week and myself and Una were chatting after you left I us. heard your chat, and, yes. And I was saying that I always feel the guilt. I just, <laughs> I'm a very reluctant dog owner and I, I, I just feel a lot of guilt around having Fred yeah. and not having the time for him and the space for him. Okay, but you do have the space because you said you live in the country. So you do have the space. Yes, I do have the space. And he's a well-looked-after dog and a much-loved dog. So, you know, we all do our best. So there's no point in beating yourself up over it. He's not tied on a chain and stuck in a garden, neglected. So he's, I I wouldn't worry about it. We, We can only do what we can do. Yeah. You know, none of us are miracle workers, and I know Fred is a very much loved dog, and he's well looked after. So <laughs> even though I give out, even though every time I see him, I'm like, yeah, Fred. but we all need a rant. Yeah, <laughs> we all need a rant. You know? um, all right. So listen, we're going to revisit some of the training and safety tips um, that you've given us in the past because last week we were chatting and Una was talking about her little furry friend and how he she escaped at the Castle mm. Park. So mm. I think Una has a couple of questions for you. Okay, hi Well, Una. hi Samantha. I was I was too nervous to speak to you last week because I always feel like I do all the wrong things okay. and I listen to you and I, I, I know what we're supposed to be doing but yeah. she's too cute and I just yeah. can't. I can't discipline her. I know the cutes, the cutes. I have a boy at home and one of those cute face, that those eyes, you just go, oh my God. So I know what it's like because even though I'm a dog trainer, sometimes... I don't apply the rules to my own dogs and especially when you have a dog that you're madly in love with it's like he couldn't possibly be bold. now I understand those parents that kind of say my Tommy couldn't possibly behave like that so I'm a bit like that with one of my dogs he couldn't possibly be misbehave he's the best boy so so tell me about your little cockapoo ran off on you so she ran off now what she happened she a fright I shook for two hours I was saying to Ethan right, it was really okay. scary but, but what happened was I had been building her up taking her off the lead and yeah. she'd run a little bit down the field you know the yeah. long grass in, the, in yeah. Castle Park and what happened on this occasion was another dog just took off mm. I didn't realise that Fia was capable of the speed that she got up to yeah, but yeah. I couldn't catch her because right. I'm definitely not capable of that speed yeah. So she bolted she got a fright and panicked No no she didn't she was playing with the dog yeah. and that dog plus owner went out the gate oh. and she followed oh, them Oh and she followed them but okay. I couldn't keep up to yeah, her yeah. and only for a saint in human yeah. form was driving yeah. a van and stopped dead in the middle of the road right. which presented a danger yeah, in yeah. itself she was gone but it really terrified me okay. 
I'm I'm thinking that maybe it was a little bit too much too soon for her, the freedom that I gave her. Yeah, um, you never let an unreliable dog off the lead completely. You always put them on a big, long line. So a bit like if you if you think about children, you know, with small kids and they want to run up the road, you would kind of say to them, you can run as far as that lamppost and no further. So obviously with a dog, you can't explain that to them. So you have to put them on a line that says that's as far as you can go. So they have a little bit of freedom. They have they have the ability to explore, but you then have control and you can reel them back in because puppies. The thing about puppies is if they learn to kind of run off, then then that becomes a habit. And it's like, oh, look, I'm I'm away with the fairies and cockapoos. No disrespect to them. They're gorgeous little dogs. They're a bit clueless sometimes you know sometimes their brain works and sometimes it doesn't because they're half a cocker spaniel and half a poodle so they're scatty she's a cavapoo but a similar well, I think, a cav- really. yeah cavalier so they're, they're scatty so yes. so one day they can be really reliable and you think god this is great and the next day they're totally unreliable and you think jesus you know but that's what they are they can be very very scatty so i would have her on a line i wouldn't let her off the lead because she's too young and again if she's only nine months now she's still a puppy so again equate that to a a teenager maybe a 12 year old or a 13 year old they don't have the sense yet to mind themselves so she got distracted and that's what i mean about the cavapoos and the cockapoos they're very flighty little things and anything can take them so she got distracted by the other dog and then there was safety with the other dog and that dog's people so off she went and forgot about you <laughs> so given a little bit of freedom yeah. but within limits because that's yeah. one thing that you were said last week as well when we were talking about taking your your dog on holidays is that going somewhere new yeah yeah you just they're going to go they're yeah, they're going to they're go going because to they're they're curious because it's it's very exciting being somewhere new and they will follow their nose and follow their eyes and whatever takes them you know, they can be a bit butterfly that way. They can go, oh, look, look at that. And oh, I'm off. You so, know? We, so can we? <laughs> but you mentioned there an unreliable dog. At what point could you say, I don't know if, if you're here with, with, with Freddie, but when could you say, OK, I know she'll come back. I have no fear that she won't. Does that point come for people? When, when she can come back 80% of the time or 70% of the time. No dog is 100% reliable. Obedience champion 2023 is not 100% reliable. So, so if, if she's kind of 70%, 80%, but you've always got in the back of your mind, something could happen because it could be somebody else's dog that might suddenly shoot out. Mightn't be your fault at all, mm. but dogs are dogs and they will do what they do. So I would only let her off the lead completely if you know that nine times out of 10, she will answer you. But being a cavapoo, there's always that little doubt. But you're putting the fear in me now because even that one out of 10, I just can't face that fear again. Yeah. Do you let Freddie yeah. off it now? Fred goes off the lead if we're up the mountains or if we're in a forest yeah, and he'll come yeah. back eventually but only on his terms so I wouldn't dream of letting him off in a park or yeah but so that's where you leave a line on them mm. so a line what a line does is it stops the dog from being completely free it gives you means of catching them in an emergency and um, but it also lets other people know that this dog is with somebody because if you saw a dog you know with a line trailing it you go, gosh, you that know, dog must have escaped somewhere or whatever. So I will always leave a line on a dog. Even when I'm minding dogs, Una, and I have a fully secure paddock, new dogs that come to me are always on a line in that paddock, even though it's a fully secure paddock. Because I need to know that I can catch them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend half an hour chasing a dog around a paddock. <laughs> but I need to know that I can catch them if I need to. So no dog is ever off lead completely. Okay. So you talk about all training starting at home, Samantha. When is two young or too early to start training a dog 
Um, it's never too early, really, because when you, when you j- take the dog away from its mother, you're now transferring that dependency to you. So you want the dog to look to you for, for its, all its needs in life. And especially if that dog lives with another dog, then it's really important that it listens to you. So training begins at home. So say your recall, say you're, you're talking about, you know, the, the little cavapoo and your recall. As you're walking around the kitchen, you're walking around the garden, call her. Freddie, here, come, good boy, piece of chicken, piece of ham, whatever it is. So all your training is done at home, like even lead walking. I tell people to sit and watch TV with the dog on the lead. Don't get the dog all excited and hyper and go, well, hey, obviously he's going to pull you down the road. Yeah. Get him used to being on a lead. When I walk around the garden, you're on the lead. When I put the washing out, you're on the lead. When I stick the kettle on, you're on the lead. So a lead means you don't decide where you go. I do. You follow me. That's what a lead is. It limits your ability to go somewhere. So you must follow me. So so that's what I mean about training starts at home. Don't wait until the dog is so excited by the environment and then expect it to cooperate because it won't. And it's a real thing you see, isn't it, that people take the lead and it's walking. Yeah. And, and, then and hype the dog up. Exactly like yeah, that. Yeah. Then you're chasing your yeah, dog and they're yeah, pulling the arm yeah. off you down the street. Yeah. So, so number one, I hate when people do that. Yeah. It gets me really riled up. Um, but two, you want the lead to almost be boring. Think about how the guide dogs are trained. Yes. The guide dogs don't go, well, hey, they yeah. go, OK, I'm working. So again, when I'm training a dog, I always say to owners, when you're training, put the lead on mm-hmm. because that gives you control and it gives the dog the signal. We are working. And when you take the lead off, it's now you have free time. Should we be talking to our dogs then in that kind of same matter of fact way? Yeah. Well, yeah, well so not, oh, you're okay. so cute. OK, so, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not a parent and, you know, the dogs are the kids, if you like. Yeah. However, I'm a very strict parent mm-hmm. with the dogs except when it comes to Rascal he, he gets away with murder well he's, you know <laughs> we know we've met Rascal yeah, yeah. we understand yeah. so he gets away with murder um, but he's still quite obedient but I, I always give them feedback so it's about feedback so it would be like no no what the hell do you think you're doing and then they you know cock their head and go oh sorry then I go that's better good lad come on off we go Okay. So it's the tone of my voice. So I'm not giving out to them. I'm constantly giving them information about their own behaviour. Yeah. So they, that I'm basically a, a panel and what buttons to press to make me nice or not nice. <laughs> <laughs> give me give me chicken. I'm just a computer. You've got to figure out how I work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you listen to me, you might get ham. If you don't listen to me, I put on that sound, that sound that you don't like. Oh, how to make that sound go off? Well, come back when you're called or, you know, stop doing what you're doing. And then I go sweet again. So it's very clear, very clear, basic instructions. Very clear, basic instruction. And I suppose the really important thing is you can't train a dog when you're angry. Mm-hmm. So a dog can't listen when it's upset or frightened or, you know, distracted. But you can't train a dog when you're upset and angry. So if the dog has done something, you know, ripped the, the shoe or, you know, done something on the carpet, just deal with it and put the dog out. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's really important to put the dog out or put the dog in the crate or put the dog in the garden, put wherever. Don't lose the plot with the dog because if you do, that destroys trust and then the dog won't listen to you when you need it to listen to you or it won't rely on you when it when it's afraid of something. It won't go back to you for safety because it's now afraid of you as well. Okay. And that trust becomes really important yeah. when you start to talk about rescue dogs. Yeah. And I know that's yeah. something that you wanted to mention this yeah. morning. So rescue dogs, we don't know their history. Yeah. The thing about rescue dogs is, um, and the reason why I mentioned this is because I was dealing with a case um, last week. And with rescue dog, if a rescue dog has just come into your home, leave it alone. 
It just needs time and it needs space and it needs to find its own feet. So it's really important with a rescue dog. Don't do anything with them. Just let them find their feet. Leave them alone for at least a week and let them slowly come to you. Don't try and shower them with love and kisses and, you know, alone in a confined space. Yeah. 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 Or or if they're a bit flighty. So some dogs haven't actually been in the house to stay in the garden. Let them stay in the garden if they've got shelter and they're okay. Let them sit in the garden if that's what they want to do. If they want to hide, let them and let them give them the time and the space to suss you out and to befriend you. You can't befriend a, a nervous rescue dog because all you'll do is frighten them. So you're just carrying on around their business, yeah. they're around your business and they're observing. And they're watching. observing and they're just sussing you out. Like there's a little dog I'm minding at the minute and she's a little scaredy cat. Yeah. Now she's just a nervous dog. I have done nothing to her. I've just left her alone. Mm-hmm. I've left her kennel door open so she can come and go as she pleases. And then when I need to put her away, I'm with her bowl of food. But I haven't put a lead on her. I haven't insisted she come for a walk. The gate is open. She can follow me around the paddock if she wants to. If she wants to sit in the yard, she can do that. So there's no you have to with a nervous dog. Yeah, It's, it's there if you want it. It's fine if you don't. So tell us a little bit then about fostering the, the, the sense of safety. So I suppose safety is about that you don't do anything to make them distrust you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And again, with a rescue dog, talking about letting dogs off lead, I would never let a rescue dog off lead for at least three months. Okay. Um, because you want to make sure that it is very, very bonded with you. And if it's not bonded with you enough and it gets a fright, it'll be gone. So and an awful lot of rescue dogs have come from abusive backgrounds or they've been street dogs or yeah. whatever. So so unless a dog is totally bonded with you, I wouldn't be letting it off the lead anyway. Um, I was just going to ask that as well about just noise and household noise and loud noises when you're talking about dogs that are coming yeah. from abusive um, environments. Yeah. Noise could be very triggering, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point, Ethna. Yeah, so so if they get a fright, so say if you drop a saucepan or, I don't know, something happens in the garden and they get a fright, just as long as they can escape without running away or getting into danger, but not to make a big drama-rama out of it. Um, sometimes when dogs get a fright, the owner's instinct is to go, oh my God, oh poor baby, oh God, oh I'm sorry. Mm. Let them get over it. Just just let them suss it out in their own time and let them calm down. Sometimes if you're too quick yeah. to run in, you can sometimes make it worse. Okay. So they've got to, to know that they haven't died. Do you know what I mean? They've survived. So it's a dog-led process in yeah, the case of... It's all a, always a dog-led process. Of a rescue, process. yeah. yeah. Um, listen, tell me the weather, because I'm tormented. Um, <laughs> the weather and pets. Well, the weather and pets, it's very hard because it's raining all the time and, you know, the dogs aren't out as much. But yeah. I suppose the only thing to, to be mindful is if it's thundery. Mm-hmm. And the weather's been so unpredictable of late that sometimes it looks grand and next minute you hear a bang of thunder and you go, God, is that somebody crashed or is that thunder? Do you know what I mean? You go, what? So so I suppose make sure that they can't escape, basically, that they can't get out of the garden. Um, I personally hate dogs that where the gates are open and people rely on electric fences. I mm-hmm. hate that kind of setup. Um, just make sure the dog cannot get off the property because if a dog gets a fright, it will bolt. Yeah. Especially if a dog is already nervous or if it's a rescue dog. So just make sure you have gates and they're closed. Are dogs affected by the dull, damp weather? Well, I suppose no more than us. It's a bit. Yeah. Some dogs it's are very precious. Up. Yeah, some dogs are very precious and won't actually walk in puddles or walk in wet grass. <laughs> and other dogs just love it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if if they want to be with you and you go out, the great thing about walking a dog in the rain, the Irish people, even though we're so used to being drowned, Irish <laughs> people are very bad at actually walking in the rain. So it's a great time to get your dog out because if it's lashing out of the heavens, the park will be empty. Yeah. The dogs don't love it though. Well, the dogs that I've ever had in my care, they tend yeah. to resist going. 
out when it's wet. Yeah, and, and if they don't want to go out, I wouldn't force them. Wouldn't force it. I wouldn't force them. There's actually a message in from a, a listener, if if I may just put it to you, Samantha, of a five-year-old Cavachon who in recent times, which is the interesting part of this text, has become a bit antisocial with other dogs. Should I be worried putting him into the kennels this summer when we're away? Um, I might be. Um, it sounds as if uh, the little, um, is it, what did you say, Cavachon? Cavachon. So I might have got a fright. Um, so yeah, if it's going to be overwhelmed, I would let the kennels know that it's got a fright and that it it seems to be reactive now towards other dogs. Um, so yeah, to mind it and not to mix it with big dogs. If that continues to go on, I would just make sure that there's nothing medical going on, that the dog is physically okay. And then maybe, um, you know, give me a, a shout or behaviours a shout and see what's going on with the other dogs. Because it might be behavioural, but there some, might be something medical brewing as well. Okay. Um, and Samantha people can find you at the Canine College the Canine College.ie Samantha Rawson.ie Instagram Samantha.Rawson and Facebook as well before I let you go I just want to ask you give me one really practical tip for relieving boredom in the, in the um, damp weather Fred is not loving the grass he's not loving the wet grass he loves oh, to so eat it but he doesn't love to walk in it okay so so either food scattering so scatter the food outside if he's if he's a you know uh, if he'd like to investigate or food in a licky mat or food I don't like food in toys I like toys to be separate okay um, but you can get licky mats you can get snuffle mats you can you can you know hide food in different places around the garden Um but terriers love to tear things. Yeah. So even if you put a little bit of food in little bits of rolled up newspaper and just let him tear, the, tear it to pieces. Now, he's going to make a mess, but... He does that. that. Yeah, that'll keep him busy. <laughs> he does anyway. At least yeah. I'll have instigated yeah. the mess. <laughs> or, or again, if you tie a rope to something yeah. and let him play tuggy tug with away. the rope himself, because terriers usually love a good old tug. Yeah, great idea. I just thought I've, I find him, he's a little bit like, yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, but like, you know, sometimes, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be worried too much about him. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for easing my guilty conscience, Samantha. <laughs> Listen, thanks so much for your time. We will chat to you again next week. Um, Samantha Ross in the Canine College. Thanks a million. It's a dog's life with Samantha Rawson. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Welcome back. Keep those guesses coming in for our mystery sound. 083 306 9696. This might help you out. It is not inserting a tape into a cassette player. It's not a sink plunger. And it is not a retractable lead on a vacuum cleaner, but we are definitely getting hot, hot, hot. Now, delighted to be joined in studio by Anna Carolina Distel. Did I get your name right, Anna? You did, yeah. Good. Anna, you have a really interesting hobby because you're a volunteer open street map contributor. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how you got into it? Um, thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, You're very welcome. So, OpenStreetMap is you could could kind of compare it with Wikipedia, where anyone can edit. Um, you don't need an awful lot of skills, and you learn how when you get how you learn as you get along, uh, go along. Um, I got into it um, ten years ago. I actually have my anniversary next month. Um, when I was unicycling through Berlin, um, as you do, and um, I was looking for good cycle paths that I could unicycle on because I wasn't terribly good but you know I can't do cobblestone but I, well, I could um, but just good paved roads or 
psychopaths. So I was trying to make a map of those. And I somehow I discovered OpenStreetMap and started with that. And then I moved here in 2016. And, and what brought you here, do you mind me asking? I just, um, I had been an au pair in Ireland um, before that. Um, and I just, I wanted to come back and I wanted to see what it's like to be a foreigner for a while. And so far it's going well, so I'm not leaving. So you never left since 2016. So you, you yeah. like being a foreigner, obviously, in, well, in Ireland. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I, I want to go back for one second before we get on to the mapping, because you said unicycling around Berlin as you do. As I don't, how did you how did you get the idea to do that? Well, I when I was 30, I decided that I wanted to learn how to unicycle. And I did. And yeah. Is it difficult? Because it sounds it. Um, it looks it is very difficult in the beginning and it depends on how far you want to take it I mean there's if you want to go on YouTube like there's really crazy stuff going on I just went forward I never learned how to unicycle backwards and I never learned how to jump and stuff like that but it was good enough to do long distances which is not comfortable at all at all I can tell you that but um, I did a couple of races and I cycled the it's called the Mauerweg it's where the the wall trail in Berlin it's 160 kilometers I didn't do it in one go but about in 20 bits I think Wow and how, how long did it, did it take you to do that distance did you put all the times together I, I don't remember <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Very good well, I imagine it would take me even on a regular bicycle which I find uncomfortable it would take me quite a long time so that's a really interesting challenge that you took on but when you were doing that you got um, you came across the, the mapping idea which as you say is like Wikipedia for putting stuff on the map is that a yeah. simple way so to it's, say it? It's because it's open source and open data but a lot of people don't know what that is but most people kind of know what Wikipedia is, at least they've used it, they might have not have contributed. But anyone with a, can uh, contribute, which sometimes is a bad thing, mm. because people can mess around with stuff. But um, but in, in this situation, talk. because I suppose we're all aware that in Wikipedia, you have to take the information as you find it, it may not always be reliable. But yeah. when it comes to mapping, that could be extremely misleading, or it could add things or, or, or take things that yeah. can have quite maybe serious consequences sometimes. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're most of us, I think, are honest people and we're not trying to do any damage to or put information in the map that isn't there. So we're always going with ground truth. So usually that means walking around, driving around, cycling around, getting the information because we can't copy off, let's say, Google because that's copyrighted. Um, we have satellite imagery that is um, provided by Bing, for example. So that's Microsoft um, and TomTom. And now we also have imagery from Facebook um, or Meta, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, and they rebrand, everybody rebrands. Yes, it's, it's, it's what's um, happening these days, rebranding left, right and yeah. centre. So to you, so how do you, I mean, I have so many questions because I really know nothing about this, but my first question is what equipment do you need? And secondly, how do you pick a spot that you're going to map? Well, I can only talk for myself, obviously. Um, it, it depends on what you want to map. Um for example, house numbers, there's no open data set for house numbers in Ireland. So we have to literally go around into every housing estate and get the numbers of the houses. It would help if people had numbers on their houses, of course, but not everybody does. Um, and there's an app that's called Street Complete. It's only available for Android, but that's fine for me. Um, and it's it's a really fun app and it just asks you all kinds of questions. It's not just for um, house numbers, but you can also do accessibility. Like, is there a wheelchair ramp on this flight of steps? And is there, you know... Um, you know traffic lights the little buzzer for blind people and stuff like that it asks you all these kinds of things and you can choose what to answer and you walk around and 
complete all these quests. So that's that's one way of of mapping. Um, I do a lot of heritage mapping because that's what I'm interested in. Um, so I did a couple of months ago. I mapped all the national monuments in Ireland. Um, by giving them the reference number and also making sure they are on the map as a ruin. Most of them are ruins, I think. Um, and use satellite imagery for that. And yeah, it, it really depends on what you want to map. So you, is, it, is it quite random what you decide to map or where you decide to go? For me, it kind of is. Some people have more specialised topics like electricity. So they map all the uh, power poles and all the street cabinets and whatever they're called I can't I don't even know what all these things are called um but once you get into it you know, like I've learned so much doing this because you look at a thing and you wonder what's what's this for you know and you have to ask around and and hopefully someone know and then you can go and map it because you have to know what it is to map it you can't just put a point there you have to they all have categories and stuff and is there any here I am coming back to money again but is there any monetary uh, motivation in this can mappers sell their information well if if I if you're more skilled and you're able to write apps or like apps for your phone or other sorts of applications you could I don't have that skill but I'm fine with just providing the data so I'm not earning any money off this it's just a hobby unless I give a talk somewhere which rarely happens but you know it does happen but you know Okay, so the reason you're with us this morning is, Anna, that you came across a shipwreck uh, recently on the Barrow. Can you tell me a little bit about that discovery? Yeah, so my mom and my stepdad were thinking about going on a boat trip next year in Ireland. So I thought, well, I better look at the waterways and how they're mapped. So I started along the Barrow because I want them to go on the Barrow rather than the Shannon. Um, and um, I started mapping the locks. Well, they were partly mapped. When I say mapping, it sometimes just means improving What's the map, there? you know, okay. um, and um, then I talked to a friend who has a boat um, and goes on the barrow and, and asked her what what's there, what what could I map, what's useful to map because I don't have a boat, I haven't a clue about you know um, navigating rivers, um, and she said maybe obstacles because you know it's dangerous to drive your boat into a, um, an obstacle. Mm-hmm. So I said okay, I'll, I'll look along the river barrow and see what I can find because we have very new imagery by Bing which is very clear and you can see rocks in the river of a certain size. Um, they're just blobs, but you can kind of guess that it's not a boat. But yeah. Um, so I went along, started at where the Noor meets the Barrow and went upstream and I saw this boat or whatever it was at the time. I didn't know um, and thought, oh, this is exciting. I wonder if it's on the um, National Monument, on the Historic Environment Bureau, if it is a registered site or whatever and it wasn't and I'm friends with a couple of archaeologists and one of them is an underwater archaeologist so I sent him a screenshot and said look what I found Um, and he said oh that's exciting you should definitely report that to the rec viewer which is a sub-department of the um, National Monument Service so I did and by the time I had reported it I'd figured out it was about 25 metres long which is quite long um, for a boat on the barrow and um, Carl Brady was the guy in the um, rec viewer department and he got back to me and said oh congrats um, it's the Tresnes we know when it sank and all those kinds of things and I did a bit more research and found out when it actually sank and where it came from and so it was way back in it was August 21st 1929 it was going from New Ross to St Mullins here in Carlow yes. and it it sank so so it had been 
widely known in the area, I assume. Yeah, I, I, I sent a press release because I was very excited um, and I hadn't found it on the the Irish waterways. They have a, a map that uses OpenStreetMap, by the way. Um, and it wasn't on their map, but I found out later on that that's because their area of responsibility ends in St. Mullins and doesn't go further south because that's where the barrel navigation ends. But as I said, I don't know about these things. Okay. Um, I'm only learning as I go along. Um, and now I've forgotten the question. I was just asking, it was known in the area, oh, locals yeah. would have so known I about sent a press release to the newspaper in Neuros and the guy came back to me and said, did you know that? Or the, the locals tell me they knew about this all along. Were you aware? And I said, of course I wasn't aware. Otherwise I wouldn't have made such a fuss about it. Yeah. But it was very exciting for you. Can I just go back for a second? So how did you discover, can you be very accurate around the size, for example, of this vessel, of what you're finding? Yeah, because uh, the editor that I'm using, there are two editors I'm using, um, they have a little scale at the bottom. And I just, you know, it says this is like 10 metres and you just multiply it and kind of gives you... So that's how you knew that it was something very yeah. sizable. Well, that was very exciting. It was it was apparently going to pick up a load of timber. No, it had it was bringing a load of timber well, rather to up, England. Yeah, picking up uh, timber to go to England even more timber going to England. Yeah, it <laughs> didn't okay. happen because it sank. Yes, it never <laughs> happened, and the crew were all safe. But the wreck had never been discovered. Well, it wasn't discovered at the time. Yeah, it was never. I don't know. It was never reported to the National Monument Service until now. Okay, well, very interesting. So you're responsible for putting that back into to the public uh, conscience. Yeah. Is that the most exciting thing you've ever found? Um, no, because it's not really that old. I've I've discovered a couple of enclosures and cran oaks. I, I'm more excited about those because they're you know they're medieval. That's more exciting, I think. And they were were they was it Cavan you found the um, cran oaks? Cavan, yeah, and. Leitrim, I think. I can't remember. There were quite a couple I reported. But it takes them a while to follow up the National Monument Service because it's out in a lake, you know, it's a bit more effort than just driving somewhere. Okay. And this is, as you say, a hobby. Does it does it take up much of your time, Anna? Uh, yeah, I kind of do it full time now. Do you? Yeah. Okay. It's not very healthy probably, but um, <laughs> but I enjoy it too much. So I can't. You don't find it stressful. It relax. It's a relaxing way yeah. to spend your, yeah. your spare time. Well, it's really interesting and I hope that we will have you in again to discuss even more phenomenally exciting finds yeah. along the way. Who knows what will, what will come your way. Anna, thank you so much for coming into studio today thank to you. talk about that hobby. Joined online now by John Cody, who competed at the weekend in the Westmead Bachelor Festival. John, good morning. How are you, man? Not too bad. Did you like our piece of music that we introduced you with there? Specially selected. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, come here. Very Brian, good. Brian spoke to you before you went to Westmead to compete at the weekend, and we want to know what happened. How did you get on? Was it what you expected? Spill the tea. Oh, I, had, I know it was, it was a great. No, it was a great social event. Um, six six uh, bachelors were taking part, and um, a guy called Kieran Clark from Rosemount, there Westmead, there was crowned um, most eligible bachelor. So yeah, it was a great great event, and we all had a ball. And what did you have to do? Like I, I'm thinking Rose of Tralee style thing. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was basically something like that. So the first round was like we had each bachelor was interviewed by. Four judges: uh, Pip O'Connor, Brian Armand, uh, Louis Walsh, and Anne Doyle, and they were fantastic. And then we had to do a st- standout segment. So I did um, Greece. 
I was John, John, John Travolta for the night. <laughs> so you, what, what did that involve? Were you singing? Were you dancing? Bit of both? Uh, I was I was dancing there, dancing to Grease Lightning. <laughs> and are you a dancer? No, I'm not a dancer, no. <laughs> you were just throwing a few shapes? Draw a few shapes and see how it goes. But yeah, look, uh, no, I had a great time. Like I said, I said in an interview, I was a bit of an introvert in my early 20s, didn't really mix and... I said, no, just put yourself out there, John. What's what's to lose? And I had a really good, I had a really good night. And I actually met a lot of people from Kilkenny that had a connection to Kilkenny. I met a few people that lived out the Brownsbridge Road. So yeah, it was, it was a really good night. It was good. Well, we're going to get in just a moment to anyone else you might have met over the weekend. But that's quite the jump if you considered yourself in your younger days to be very introverted and then putting yourself right out there. John Travolta-esque on a stage in front of a lot of people. So John, how did you make that transition, that jump? Yeah, well, I suppose, look, um, we're only on this planet for a small amount of time. And I suppose, like like I said, in my early 20s, I didn't really mix, didn't really put myself out there. But I just said to myself, do you know what, John? Put yourself out there, get to know people. And that's that's why I wanted to achieve, really, was to get to know people and also have a good good crack. And I met the other bastards are a great bunch of people, uh, just the most down-to-earth, sincere people. And look, we're all best of friends after like so yeah I had a good time they had a good time so happy out Had you met those your competitors if you like or your friends now maybe you you consider them had you met them in advance of, of last weekend? Yeah we did we met about uh, three to four weeks ago we met up in Mullingar so we went around Mullingar uh, visited local shops businesses and look people up Mullingar they're top class people they're genuine hard working people and we went kayaking there last Saturday up in Mullingar so we had a really good time and that's what it's all about It's what it's all about and you mentioned the judges yeah. there so there was Brian Ormond and his wife Pippa O'Connor Ormond and there was yeah. also Anne Doyle the legend that she is and Louis yeah, Walsh she's very pleasant yeah. I'd, I'd say she's very a, a bit woman. of a devil she's got a glint in the eye I think yeah. but I was interested yeah, yeah. she said that she said I was a uh, spitting image of her brother. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she said, she, 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 I think she took a fancy to me there. But um, the one judge I really like was Pippa O'Connor. She was, she was really nice and she's a very good looking woman. And uh, she said I looked a bit like French, uh, like a French person. <laughs> what made you look French? The, the, the facial hair, I'm thinking. Uh, well, maybe the, maybe the look. And like I said um, before, my great grandmother was uh, Lestrange from Mullingar. So. I was kind of hoping to find out if there are any more relations of her up there and I actually was I am, I'm actually a distant relation to last, uh, a guy that took part last year Ben Hulam ben so yes it's been great And how did you make that connection? Uh, well <laughs> um, the Margaret Lestrange came to Kilkenny and married Michael Donnie and Margaret Lestrange had a niece called Doreen Lestrange and she married a butcher uh, the Tossier Hulam in Mullingar and they had a daughter called Mags Hulan, and Mags Hulan has a son called Ben Hulan. So, we're di- in a distant relation to Mags Hulan and Ben Hulan. God, you were doing a lot of tracing, but how did you make? Was it you yeah. that found? You discovered that link? Yeah, it was, it was actually between myself and my mother because my mother was mad into ancestry, and we just kind of did our own research, and we came up. We found out we were talking to Mags Hulan over the phone, and she was like, "Oh, best of luck in the competition." And she said her son took part last year, and is there and that's how we've got talking to one there. Very good. I wanted just to mention, Louis Walsh was reporting in the papers today 
that it's reported rather that he said Ron who was the, the winner that you mentioned there was the person I wanted to see again he would be a great role model I loved his honesty and the classic Louis line he said his likability Louis always looking for the likability what did you make of him? I, I thought he was grand now he's grand now I'm to answer, I thought he got, he got a bit shook now he's 70 years of age but he's actually really nice and uh, look Kieran, he's a fantastic guy he he really wants us to win it and um, he put on a great performance and look I'm after making best of friends with him there he's actually is a really nice guy and um, and I he wrote song I believe he, yeah, he, he wrote a song and he has ambition to rep, he has ambition to represent Euro, uh, Ireland in the Eurovision so look he's going to go places for sure Well Louis Walsh is a good man to know if that's your ambition that's for sure Yeah John I mean dare I ask you was the whole point of this yes to put yourself out there and to maybe get over a little bit of shyness and you only live once and so on and so forth but was the ultimate aim to say goodbye to your bachelorhood <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose it was, yeah, um, definitely. Um, the rule was you could have a partner going into this, but you couldn't be married. But yeah, definitely. Uh, look, uh, I might, might find my, my ideal partner from this. But yeah, look, basically, my main objective was a good time and to meet new people. So yeah. You achieved that. Were you yeah, and that. the other competitors the toast of um, Westmead the last weekend? Did you get a lot of attention? Yeah, we did now. Look, it's unreal. No, I had a lot of people calling me there. I had a girl from, from Anna. She wanted to give me jiving lessons. And I had people ring me from the UAE and America also. I'm not making that up. It was just unreal, the amount of, uh, you know, attention that was. And look, it's it's unbelievable, you know, if you put yourself out there. It wasn't that I wanted to become famous or such. It was just I wanted to feel good about myself. And that's what I wanted to achieve. It sounds like you do. But obviously, you're, you're selling yeah. yourself a little bit short, I would say. If people were coming looking for jiving lessons, you're obviously a bit of a mover. <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, I, 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 I never done any like, country dancing or anything like that before. But look, uh, I'd be willing to take up jiving lessons um, Yeah, if uh, anyone wants to do it, maybe there. <laughs> OK, well, I'm sure there are plenty of dancing spots around the counties where you could find John Cody in the weeks and months to come if you want to get to know him. Are you putting out a personal ad or will we leave it at that, John? I will leave, we'll leave it out there. <laughs> OK, well, listen, delighted to hear the, the lowdown and to catch up on the gossip from last weekend. Congrats again. You're a brave man and um, well know, done yeah. for, putting, for putting yourself out there. Very impressive. And look, I put Kilkenny out there as well. I put um, Castle Home around the mat there and look, it's all about helping one another. That's what it's all about. And I'm sure they're very proud. Well done to you, John. Thanks very much. Thank- we're live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Oh, welcome back. Excuse me. I was looking around me there having a little bit of a chill out. Now we're back in studio with Robbie to find out what's going on in the World Cup. Yeah, so it's half time in the World Cup. It's Ireland nil, Nigeria nil. Of course, as I was telling you earlier, it is the last game for Veer Powell's side at this World Cup and a historic one for them. 1-0 defeat to Australia in the first game, 2-1 to Canada in the second game. A very uneventful first half, it has to be said, in Brisbane. Only the one shot for the Irish team and I believe Nigeria haven't had a single shot despite their 3-2 victory over their hosts last time out. That one shot for Ireland is coupled with one corner, of course, Katie McCabe memorably scored from a corner in the opening stages of the game against Canada. A lot of possession for Ireland this time in comparison to the last game. 65% for the girls in green, Nigeria with 35 
25%. So they're sitting off trying to counter-attack, maybe kind of conversely compared to Ireland in past games. So Ireland trying to go at them, trying to get that first ever win at a World Cup. But it's currently Ireland nil, Nigeria nil, and I will be back a little bit later on for a full-time update. World Cup updates on KCLOR with thanks to Fundamental Properties supporting your community through sports. Robbie, dear, we hope that sounds really promising. Yeah, I've been watching the game and it's uh, it's it's a good one. It has to be said. Ireland have a lot of the ball. They're attacking. Can't really get at the Nigerians as much as they'd like in terms of creating opportunities as I said with just the one shot but you would hope that if they keep a stable structure with the ball they won't allow the Nigerians to counter attack we can keep a clean sheet and then you'll never know from a set piece we could get there but as I've said I've been watching the game really intently I have to say and it's been quite an uneventful but entertaining and interesting affair Okay, so we we wait. We we have had that hope in the first half before, haven't we? With that goal, we thought we everything have, was going to go we so have. well. So at least at least there's no hope so far, you know, because it's the hope that kills you, as we know in sport. But um, there's that little bit of um expectation I suppose that we can go on and win this game now that we're dominating the ball so much this Irish team does struggle to break team down break teams down I should say irrespective of whether they have the ball for large spells or not so hopefully fingers crossed they can find their way to creating a clear goal scoring opportunity and when it comes one of our forward players will hopefully take it and will take the lead and hold on to it from there and get a famous famous victory it would be so great it really would it would cheer us up after a little bit of disappointment in recent weeks Robbie and it would give you something to put him on in that face I don't know were you listening to uh, John Cody there for live or no you weren't he was at a bachelor festival and I wonder if watching the match you know. of course excuse me excuse me anyway John is fresh from Westmeath where he was at a bachelor festival okay. and I wonder would you ever be interested in such a thing so you, uh, I was asked about this at the weekend <laughs> I was asked else. about it okay let's yeah and uh, the answer is no definitely no 100% no why not isn't it a great way to your no, name out there? I'm single and unavailable oh you're not in the market unavailable on my side unavailable on the other side as well nobody wants me I d- and I don't I want anybody. I very much doubt that's true, ah, Robbie. That's unfortunately, unfortunately the case. But doesn't it take a big, a big brave heart to put yourself out there like he did? Not yeah, for you. Yeah, some people would have a different word for it. I'd, yeah, brave is fair. Um, it's not idiotic at all. But no, no, it is very brave, to be fair. And uh, to go out and do something like that, you'd have to give huge kudos, to be You fair. would have to give huge kudos. And may I just say, on behalf of everybody, you are very loved, Robbie, by many people. So... As long as you know that. Didn't know you could lie on the radio, Una. That's, that's all we do on the. No, it's not. Listen, we'll be back after this. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. I've got a few screws loose Out here making lemonade when everyone is sipping on juice I've never played my cards right, no Yeah, I laid them on the table Kept the aces up my sleeve Tell you that you're wrong when you're really right You could start a fire from this gaslight Holding on to lovers like a parasite Catch you in my headlights Oops, it's a drive-by So why should I really care? My friends are body cast
Robert Grace with Casper playing that one very especially for Adele Winfield whose birthday is today she turns three and that comes in from Nanny and Grandad Winfield and from Auntie Nadine so Adele Winfield from The Roar a very very happy birthday to you I hope you have a blast lots and lots of guesses coming in for that sound but nothing correct so far I'm going to give you some of the incorrect guesses we have had a wheelie bin pulling a grill out of the oven. It isn't that. It is not post coming through the letterbox. It isn't um, placing bread into a toaster. It is not... Uh, what else do I have here? This A shower. It's not a shower, a sliding glass. And I'm not sure do I see something coming in that might be correct. I'm going to have to double check that, but we might have some breaking news about that mystery sound. And it is possible that 500 euro has been won. So let me just double check and come back to you with that tomorrow. Thank you so much to everyone for listening this this morning. We have had Tara with us, thanks to her. And of course, Ethna for her great work and reporting this morning too. Look forward to your company tomorrow morning. Soon.